Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show every weekday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Roto Grinders YouTube, where uh, I go over and re- review yesterday's slate. We talk a little bit about uh, strategies that top players employed yesterday. We talk a little bit about today's slate. Today, it's uh, you know, we've got two games at 9 Eastern, and that's about it. Uh, and of course, it's NBA. So even though there's two games, who knows what happens, right? Maybe it's one game. Maybe maybe one gets canceled. Maybe three guys are out. You never know. So the projections this early could be up in the air completely. But uh, as always, go through the YouTube chat. I see all the people here in YouTube. Uh, we got RCL sixty two eighty five Lima with the with the keeping the apple juice cold. Of course, all the people here know. I, I got the regular. Shane Newman's like, hope he got the regular apple juice and not the apple mango. I got, I still got more regular apple juice. So if you want to keep it cold, you hit that thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell. All three of them, and then and, and you're perfect. It keeps the apple juice cold throughout the show. Uh, we got Gordon Benson here, Sam Deal, right? But I, I made the Ropper Room reference uh, the the other time, right? Like, oh, I can see everyone through the mirror, right? That type of thing. But I prioritize you, YouTube people. If you have any questions about uh, DFS strategy, NBA stuff, uh, feel free to post it in the chat. I will scroll through. So even though you know, you, uh, maybe 15 minutes ago, I, I'm I'm still looking through the chat here. And Devin, our fabulous multitasking producer, is also in there dropping links to to things of interest, like like our premium, right? Roto Grinders Premium. We're still running that promotion. Ten dollars off your first month. You get lineup HQ. You get Court IQ. You get Core uh, means these core plays. You get you get all the NBA stuff. Eric Bimefor has a, has a strategy column. Like a, like a live blog every day. You get the premium projections, which I believe are the best in the industry. So you get all of that, $10 off your first month if you click on the link uh, below in the description. And uh, it, it, hey, if you're not here live on YouTube and you're listening to the podcast, so you can subscribe to the audio version of this in the podcast. So uh, go, to, go to iTunes or wherever, search for a DFS pregame show. Subscribe there, rate and review it on iTunes. You could also listen to this live on the, on the RG app. If you download that from the App Store, uh, you just it'll tell you when it's on the air. You get a little notification. And you can you can listen as well. Uh, so, I mean, I I show off a lot of stuff on the screen uh, for for the for the YouTube people, but uh, but uh, the audio version is fine. But uh, but yesterday's slate yesterday's slate was uh, one I would call it a normal slate. Okay, it felt like a normal. It's a four. It's a four game. It was a four game slate. But it felt more of a, quote, normal slate for this year because we didn't have all the COVID craziness or like 17 guys are out and and half of one team is only 3K. And there's value, this value coming out of all the places. What do we do with all this value? Uh, we really didn't have that yesterday. Yesterday was one of the more like old school type of slates where uh, I guess Jalen Brunson is value. I, I guess he's starting. He's 4K. Uh, what can go wrong? Or or uh, uh, Patrick Williams is out. So uh, I guess uh, Thad Young, Thad, uh, Thad Young, step up to the plate. Your value today, right? One of those types of slates where cheap center, oh, James Wiseman. I uh, guess it's better. It's either him or or DeAndre Jordan. We know we know which one worked out out of that one, right? Because Wiseman got five fouls and uh, didn't end up closing the game. So that that was a bit of a dud. But it was one of those slates where. 
where I mean, where I'm playing Ryan Archie Diacono in cash games. Okay. On DraftKings, it's one of those slates. On FanDuel, you know, a little bit more of an easier time. The softer pricing there means you didn't have to jam in questionable guys into your lineup. You didn't need to have David Nawaba and guys like that in your lineup, but I mean, you could have. So, so yesterday in cash, uh, I made, made a little bit of money, right? See down here. I played the early slate, so I got, got a little bit of money there. Made a little money on DraftKings, a little money on FanDuel. Kind of did pfft, Yahoo went, pfft, pfft, sorry. Sorry on Yahoo. So it still added another, what, from the 17th to the end? There's 600 bucks in here. We got the little graph. See, coming back up. Coming back up. DK's in the green now. FD's uh, always been in the green. I got to work on getting that. Well, the Yahoo one's in the green. Uh, but uh, but that, so, so that's the progress yesterday. You could, you could always, uh, if you want to track along with me, like this sheet, if you want it, tracker.theoryofdfs.com. It's, it's, this is my public cash game NBA play. So I'll also be doing it for baseball. So I have a little tab here. I'm going to add another one when MLB comes around. But just to show, this, this is what a cash game grinder goes through, right? This is, this is, this is the realism, right? You're not going to win a million dollars playing cash games. You're looking to grind out, grind out little ROIs. 10% ROI would be massive. In cash games, I'm expecting this to go down. I'm expecting this to be somewhere around three to five percent by the end of the year. But you're churning it every day, so by the end of the year, I'm hoping that you know my 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 net ends up being you know like I make double my money, right? Triple my money, even right? Turn twenty thousand into fifty thousand or something by by the end of the season, and that that would be considered a good cash game type of season. So show the reality. Of, of playing DFS as, as a grinder. Now, obviously, GPP is a little bit different. GPPs, you'll be like, lose, 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 and a big spike, that type of thing. So, uh, so, so yeah, but I just still, still want to show this little bankroll tracker here. So uh, in, inside of the YouTube chat, uh, Drew DP says, apple juice before beds gives you lucid dreams. It does. I don't drink it before bed. I drink it in the morning when I study results DB. That, that's, that's what I'm doing. If you see on the screen, this is results DB. It's free. You can go to rotogrinders.com and, and get this, do whatever you want with it. Shows you the contest from last night. Shows you the time. If you want to look up a contest from a year ago, it's in there. Even two game slates in the major sports. So like yesterday, I wanted to pull, pull up. I wanted to, I wanted to highlight one of, one of the concepts that, that, that I talk about, about, you know, like it's, I know I, I phrase it as play whoever you want. Right, play whoever, play whoever you want. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you play. Just play whoever you want. Don't even look at anything. Just close your eyes and play whoever you want. It doesn't really mean that. It means that you can build plus EV lineups with nearly any player on a slate. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, maybe not KJ Martin. Right. Maybe not Adam Makoka. Right. Maybe not those guys. Maybe not Jordan Nuara. Right. Uh, DJ Wilson. Now, pr- probably not. But as far as like. The top, you know, at least like eight players on each team or something, 10, are they going to see the court for more than double digit minutes? Like you could play anyone you want. It just depends on how you build your lineup. So showing yesterday on a slate that was kind of void of value, of at least good value. How did top players construct a lot of their lineups? And you could see that it wasn't one strategy. It isn't one like, oh, well, they all built this way. Well, they all built that way. Different 
players had different strategies that are still plus EV. They chose to go in one direction versus another direction. So we have the winner here, E. Hafner, played a lot of Brunson and Young with Draymond Green, less on Gordon, under the field on Gordon, under the field on Wiseman. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, Wiseman wasn't going to win you anything. If you had a nine-point score in your center spot, you weren't going to win. Under on Middleton, which you didn't need, had a bunch of Jordan, had a bunch of LeBron, wasn't in his winning lineup, but he chose to make those types of constructions. Young, Brunson, Green, LeBron. And then spread it around elsewhere. Have a bunch of Luka that didn't that didn't get him there. Still had a lineup that won. Chad Bisque, on the other hand, barely any Luka, but a ton of Harden. A lot of Harden-Giannis combinations with DeAndre Jordan. That worked out. You know, 65 points, 61 points, 36 points for 4,800, whatever DeAndre Jordan was. Got a bunch of Eric Pascal, even. DJ Augustine, oh, with two points. Oh, those lineups were dead. But that's how he built his lineups. Kobe for MVP. Much Chris, no, barely any Luca, but still had a lot of the Giannis, Middleton, Harden, Jordan. Take a look over here. Obviously, Thad Young was a, a popular uh, value play. Had a bunch of Drew Holiday. So basically, stacked up that game. Bunch of cousins as a cheap center. DJ Augustine is a more DJ, DJ Augustine. Bryn Forbes at 1% with four points. So basically, was Kobe for MVP was stacking, basically finding a way to stack the, the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game and then filling out everything from there. Then FJ Bourne, still a lot of Thad Young, Giannis, Harden, Harden, Wiseman, Middleton, Draymond, Archie Diacono, Denzel Valentine was his punt to fill a shooting guard spot. So I'm assuming uh, like Eric Gordon, he still had a bunch of Eric Gordon, still a bunch of Oladipo, not, not as much of wood. Across the board, not that much wood in general. Then we see Forsaken, ton of Oladipo and Gordon and Young, basically Wiseman. So a lot of stacks of the Houston-Chicago game. And under on Middleton, under on Wood, under on, uh, this still has some Luca, And he still had some Giannis and Harden. We have uh, Durant. Durant. He had more Durant. So basically, instead of playing Harden, playing Durant more at lower ownership down here. Because that power forward center spot, you could fill with Wiseman and Giannis and Thad Young you know, power forward center, DeAndre Jordan, those types of players. So Giannis, uh, so uh, Durant was going to go a little bit under-owned. Played a bunch of Temple to doing that. Then when we look at Giant Squid, went the other way. Just no, zero Oladipo. Zero Luka. Give me Gordon, give me Middleton, Nawai. Basically, instead of playing a lot of Oladipo, played a lot of Nawaba. Now that didn't work out. Played a lot of Valentine. Played Anthony Davis. There you go. It's almost 6 7% owned Anthony Davis. Pascal Siakam in these lineups, 6% owned. That didn't get there. But trying to find a slightly different construction. Still played a ton of Thad Young. Still played a ton of Brunson. Still played a ton of Eric Gordon. But still, still played like the higher owned, better value on this slate in context. 
Where can he get different? Nwaba, Valentine, Davis, stuff like that. But still, plus EV construction. BK Reader, very similar. Had a bunch of Giannis, had a bunch of Jordan, Nwaba here. So basically Nwaba and not much Brunson. So basically BK Reader said, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on the Brunson dud and build constructions that don't rely on Brunson. Perfectly fine. Micah J did the opposite, said, nope, I want 100%. Just 100% Brunson. And then uh, get some Kelly Oubre, 38% Kelly Oubre. And look at, look at all these low-owned guys down here, Bobby Portis and Dennis Schroeder and Pascal Siakam and Montrez Harrell and Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, still played a bunch of the, the better value plays, but played less of Harden, played where's Durant. Less of Durant, so basically went the opposite way. Basically said, uh, everyone's going towards the, the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game. I'm going to try to play it so that game is a dud. That's what he did. That Those are the instructions that he or she, I don't know, I don't know who they are. That's what they built. It doesn't mean one was right and one was wrong. But you rarely see amongst top players where just like you look at the field ownership, and you see, well, they built the construction. They're playing a lot of Gordon Young, Brunson, Oladipo, Giannis, hard lineups, wise lineups, like your cash lineup, right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're you're describing a cash lineup. They, you're not. They're not playing those builds. There's not enough leverage in those builds. So where are they getting different? They could still play a, a core of these guys, but then figure out where to get different elsewhere. And where to get different? You could go fifty different, even on a four-game slate. You could probably go 20, 30 different directions. As long as the, the projection for the lineup is, is halfway decent overall, it's perfectly viable. So that's why I want to highlight this type of stuff in results DB. I'm not looking, I'm not looking for like who did they play? Right. Oh, they played a lot of Oladipo. Oh, oh, Giant Squid's an idiot. He played zero Oladipo. It's like, yeah, that was perfectly like have you seen first quarter? He was only at five points. Oladipo could have easily been a dud at 32% ownership. The question is, is that instead of playing Oladipo or Luca, what did he play? And those lineups that he played without Oladipo projected maybe a point or two lower than the Oladipo lineups. So he's gonna he's building a lot of lineups that rely on Oladipo dudding. Just like Forsaken, a lot of lineups that uh, deal with Christian Wood dudding and, you know, uh, the Middleton dudding, those types of guys dudding. E. Hafner, dealing with a lot of, you know, Wiseman dudding. Oh, this cheap rookie is going to be chalk. I'm, I'm not going to play, right? E. Hafner, let's look at center. Instead of playing Wiseman, ended up playing Jordan, Boucher, Wood. Giannis in a center spot. Durant in, could be in the center spot. Marcus Saul, Anthony Davis. How do I build lineups without James Wiseman in it? Well, this, these are the ways to do it. So that's what E. Hafner did. So that's what you should be looking at when you're looking at results DB. Not necessarily the players. I mean, because look. Like, like uh, DJ Augustine. Like the two of these guys. Like Chad Abisk and Kobe for MVP. Like a third of their lineups had DJ Augustine's two points in it. But that's the only way that they could get different 
stacking the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game without just going all in on chalk like Brunson and Gordon and those guys. Find a different way to do it. It didn't work out in these third of the lineups, but, I mean, they still place pretty high in the contest. I mean, they're playing 150 lineups, so you get one of them good. That's all that matters. But still, you have to place high in order to get any type of return. Like, you have to, yeah, one, right? We take we take a look at at this contest. I mean, look at look at look at how top heavy this is. Yes, he with 150 entries, one hundred thousand. Maswa or Herm, seventy five hundred. But I mean, one hundred fifty entries into a fifteen dollar contest is how much money? Twenty two fifty. So Chetabisk, right? We saw in there one hundred fifty entries. Uh, first place was only two thousand. Right, Kobe for MVP got to fifteen hundred. You paid $2,250 to enter this contest. Now, obviously, other lineups could have cashed as well. But most likely, like, Chetabisk only maybe made a couple of bucks on the slate. He have made a bunch of money. Kobe for MVP probably made, made, made a small profit. Right? Mocklovin probably made a small profit. FJ Bourne probably made a small profit. Not much, but a small enough profit. But then you go down... You go 150 entries, Hishbu or something like that, they probably lost money. Came in 45th place as their highest lineup and, and likely lost money. So it's not just about the 150 entries, but how much money can you make? That's why if you, if you do an analysis slate by slate on, you know, 150 entries into 35,000 person contest, entry contest, that let's say you may have 70... 60 to 70, 150 maxers at most, probably less than that on most days. 50? Out of the 50, out of the 50 users that play 150 lineups, there may only be six that show a profit on a given day. Maybe. Sometimes it's less. But the reason why you look at their exposures is just to see how they constructed plus EV lineups. And did you think in those terms? Like if you ended up playing too much of this chalk in this large field of a contest, then 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 you didn't construct well. But if you found a way, like, okay, you're looking, I'm looking through here going, did they do what I what I decided to do? You're gonna look through. I mean, these are just a sample. You could probably bring up another 20 different players, 30 different players, users, top users. I, me personally, I played five lineups yesterday. I didn't play any Luca, So I'm looking over here going, did I made non Luca constructions? And it looks like a lot of people did that also. Didn't make Luca constructions. I made a lot of uh, Brooke Lopez. Like, yeah, Giant Squid did a bit. So I played a Dr- Dr- Brooke Lopez lineup. But the problem with the Brooke Lopez lineups yesterday, it was very hard to make one that that look good because if you're playing brooke lopez at 5600 in your center spot you're probably playing harden or durant and then the pricing ended up working out that it's it's it, it was very hard to make a a good lineup with lopez at his price that's why i made lopez lineups and i made jordan lineups so i played like like lopez i would play with durant and jordan i played with harden so i could pu- plug in Giannis or middleton into a forward spot so I'm using guard, center, you know, I, I, I don't want to, 
I, I cause I need, I need the positionals to, so I could plug in like a Thad Young or a Garrett Temple or Eric Gordon. So I need to, in order for that to fit, I need like, unless I want to use Thad Young in a power forward spot, which ends up the, the lineup ends up becoming chalky. Like I need to find a power forward in my Lopez lineups. That's not Thad Young. So that ended up being Durant. But those are the types of things that you should be looking at. Constructions, not necessarily players. So this, this is how you look through results TV. A lot of people ask, like, oh, what's the point? What's the point of studying yesterday's slate? What is that going to do for you? Figuring out who already did well yesterday? Well, it's not about who did well. It's about what did good DFS players do. And they could have ultimately from one to another made different choices, but they did make choices. What type of constructions did they build? If you went all in on Luca yesterday and said, I'm going to build a ton of Luca lineups, that doesn't mean you were wrong. Just means that a lot of top players decided not to do, not, not to make Luca constructions, but you could have made plus EV Luca constructions. You could have. I thought that wasn't necessarily the best way to go, but it was a way to go. Okay, looking through the YouTube chat, feel free. Hit the thumbs up button. Let's see if the apple juice is cold. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, I took it out of the refrigerator before the show, so it's probably going to be cold throughout the entire show. Uh, Greg R says Pascal was good direct leverage off of someone like Draymond and Wiseman. I guess so. I, 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 you're right. He's technically leveraged on a four game slate. I can, I guess I can understand. I'm assuming that Pascal was in some of these lineups due to late swap and not necessarily like, like it was intended. Pascal did not project well. So it's either Pascal is good. If uh, Draymond gets ejected, which I guess there's a non-zero chance of that, right? Draymond got a tech like two minutes into the game yesterday. So obviously Draymond could have easily gotten ejected. But I think more of the Pascal exposure on some of these lineups are due to uh, to, to late swap. You know, they have lineups that are so far behind. I have DJ Augustine in the lineup. Well, you can't play Draymond Green, who's going to be way more owned. Let's see. Okay, going through chat. Feel free to type in your questions in the YouTube chat. Jacob Calloway asks... Uh, uh, we should be looking uh, based on anti-fragility in DFS. We should be looking for roster constructions where the market is too bullish, pay down options at PG that are overowned and build lines that are max on those if those miss. Yes, as a concept. You have to you have to look and see if you can make similar projected lineups, similar within a couple of points that aren't going to be the chalk construction. I mean, that's, that's your goal. That's why when I said, I looked at Giant Squid and there, and he's like, no, I'm not going to play any Oladipo. He probably looked and said, I could play a ton of non-Oladipo lineups that project well. So I, that's what I'm going to choose to do. Jalen Brunson, BK Reader, maybe in two lineups, right? Can I build lineups without Brunson at 36% owned? 4K in a guard spot. And that's what he did. How many points am I giving up? Not that much. And I think that Jalen Brunson may be over-owned 
because of the lack of value versus a guy like Brunson was 4,000, but Valentine was seven, was 8%. What's the difference between Brunson and Valentine other than Val- that Brunson was starting and Valentine wasn't? Not all that much different. So you can see here, yeah, play, play some Valentine for leverage. Or you decide to go up, you, you, play, you play Harden, you go up at the guard spots. And you go down at the power forward spot. And that, but you end up on Thad Young in that case. So basically, you're going to be playing Harden, Harden plus Luca or something like that. And then go down at Thad Young and play Wiseman or something. You could do that, flip the construction. See if you could flip the construction and see what the projection and ownership look like, the projected ownership looks like. And if you see that not, not far away, if you could if you could eliminate a bunch of ownership in your lineup and only sacrifice a point or two or something with a different flipped construction, go and do it. I mean that that, that that I mean that that is what we're doing. That's what we're trying to do. Too many people think in terms of pivots and go, well, uh, Harden's going to be owned, so I'm going to play Luca. It's like, well, the other seven spots are still the same as everyone else. How much leverage are you really gaining? You're just gaining leverage. I mean, you're not even getting much leverage there. I mean, they're almost equally owned. Well, instead of playing marketing, instead of like, um, let's go to uh, a $7,500 guy, like like Oladipo. Instead of playing Oladipo, I'm going to play Boucher. It's like, okay, you gain 11% of ownership and what, what else? Everything else in your rest of your lineup is the stone chalk. So how much leverage are you really getting? Maybe you could do it in a really small field. You could you could think that way. In a sm- very small field, under 100 entry contest, take your cash lineup and change one guy and get like that, that that's doable. But anything over that, you, you have to be considering more than just, well, everyone's going to play this guy, so I'm going to play that guy at the similar price in the same position and then not going to change the rest of my lineup. No, you gain, you gain much more leverage by Flipping the construction. Instead of a 1v1, make it a 3v3 and totally flip stuff around. And then see what the projection is. You never know. You do that. You flip it around a 3v3 and you look and you go, wow, I have to sacrifice nine points in order to do that. And I'm barely getting any additional. I'm only I'm only getting 10%, per, 10% of ownership difference and I have to sacrifice nine points. Well, maybe you don't play that line. But maybe you'll see that you do a 3v3. It's like, well, I get I get rid of 60, 70% of ownership and you only have to sacrifice four points. And you go, okay, is that worth it? Sure, for the contest I'm in, let's do it. It depends on the context of the slate. Also, like there wasn't great value on this slate. You shouldn't be sacrificing 10 points on this type of slate because there's no, there's no screaming value. So like a lot of lineups that you could build are going to come very close to one another. You're going to have like the top 500 lineups are all, all within five points of each other. So sacrificing double that, like you, you're you're way out there. On slates where there's heavy value, the only way to get leverage is by sacrificing a ton of points, right? We had the slate with everyone's cheap, everyone's out and everyone's 4K. And it's like these three guys are going to be 70% owned. It's like, if you don't play all three of them, you're going to obviously sacrifice a lot of projection but that's the only that's pr- that's one of the only ways to get leverage. So it's perfectly fine to sacrifice 10, 15 points in those cases because the top 100 lineups have all of those players. So in order to have the 101st lineup, you need to sacrifice a bunch. But in slates like this with limited value, 
it's hard to make lineups that didn't include like like if you if you got rid of Gordon Young Brunson Oladipo you could have still made lineups within like four point projection like you still like the the thousandth best lineup projection wise is not going to be all that much different from the 500th best lineup versus the hundredth best lineup so in those cases like you don't want to sacrifice because there's just so many different lineup combinations that you can make. Let's look in the chat. Uh, Adam Stawara asks, are auto grinders ownership projections based on cash game or GPP? GPP. It's, tip- it's typically based on whatever the featured large field GPP. And you have to scale that yourself to the contest that you're playing. You have to realize that in smaller field contests, in single entry, three max contests, the chalk will typically be chalkier. Right? Because we could take a look even here. I could show you in results DB this. You could see the effect. This is what you could study. This is what you should be doing. This is what I do. This is what I, I've done every day I've ever played DFS for over five years. Before results DB, there was, uh, you had to download the CSVs and, and look at it yourself. Okay, so we're going to go to ownership. We're going to look. What's the large, what's the, what's the small field contest? So let's go to uh, the splash that I played. It's a three max contest, $200 three max with 278 entries. Okay. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the splash and some small field like a, a smaller field, a, the pick and roll. Okay, there, there's a good one, 1961. Okay, so the splash, the pick and roll, and then the fadeaway. Okay, the splash, the pick and roll, which is lower stakes, a little bit. 20K pick and roll, 5K pick, which one, which one? Okay, 20K pick and roll, and the fadeaway, 100K fadeaway. So you can see the difference between large field and small field. So you look at the... Thad Young was 61% owned in the $200 three max, 43% owned in large field. Gordon, much higher owned. Brunson, much higher owned. Wiseman, much higher owned. Giannis, much higher owned. You could see all the chalk becomes chalkier because most people are not willing to give up that much projection in a smaller field contest of what, 300, 300 entries? You see down here, like the fringe plays are less owned. So if you wanted to take a shot on someone like Pascal Siakam, like large field, he's 6%, small field, 2%. Like, is there anyone down here that really put up a good score in the low, low range that people would have played? Anthony Davis, right? Half the ownership. So you got more leverage playing Anthony Davis in the small field than you did in the large field. You got more leverage playing, let's see, let's look for someone that was high-owned here but low-owned there. Let's see, that's why I look at the green. Is there anyone in green that goes significantly downhill? Oh, here, Kelly Oubre. You're 11% in the large field fadeaway. It's about 7% in small field because... These guys are going to be lower owned because people are jamming in more of the chalk. So when you look at ownership, you have to compare the two. If the projected ownership, for instance, on Thad Young was 43%, you have to go, well, he's probably going to end up being more like 55 or 60% in my small field contest. 
or midfield, mid-sized field, right? 2,000 or so entries. So you have to think in your head and scale these up and down. So that's why you. That's why there could be a case where it's like, well, I think Jalen Brunson's worth rostering at 36% ownership. And then, but if you're playing small field, you'd be like, well, I don't know if he's worth it at 50% ownership. And then you see if you could build lineups that don't have them. And if you could build lineups that don't have them that look good and project well, it may be more beneficial to play that lineup in a small field contest versus a large field contest. The large field stuff, that's why you see a lot of the sharper players, they're just jamming. Thad Young, give it to me. Just jam him in. Brunson, give it to me. There's so much, there's so much casual, more casual, more dead money in these large field contests that there are in the small field contests. This is why contests matter. You start with contests. I've said this before. You start with contests, then lineups, then players. Don't do it the other way around. That's what most average players do. They do it the other way around. What players do I want to play? How do I fit them in a lineup? Then what contest do I enter this in? Think the other way. Figure out what contest you're playing first and go, okay, I'm playing the $200 splash with 300 entries in it. Okay, okay. That's what I was doing yesterday. So I'm like, I'm playing this contest. Okay, so now I know that I don't need to, you know, go for some weird, I don't, I don't need, I don't need three 1% thong guys in my lineup, right? I don't to compete against, you know, 300 people. 400 entries, something like that. So I'm like, okay, do I eat the, so I look at my lineup and go, okay, well, I can play Thad, Gordon, Brunson. I can play Wiseman. Okay, what's my way of getting different? Like, I'm not looking at the players. I'm looking, okay, what's my strategy to get different? So I'm like, why don't I play uh, Harden plus Jordan plus Middleton as a stack of that game? And then still play Gordon and Oladipo but instead of playing Thad Young, I play Garrett Temple. Then I finish it up by having Green and Wiseman in my lineup. And I look at that and compare to the ownership. It's like I'm fading the 61% Thad Young. So it doesn't matter that I'm eating the rest of the chalk. Or somewhat of the chalks. I still don't have Giannis in my lineup. I don't have Luka in my lineup. Like that's a good line for that contest. But I have to approach it that way. Now, if I decided to say, well, I'm going to plug in Thad, Gordon, and Brunson, and Wiseman, and Giannis, it's like, well, now I just have to start looking. Like, do I play Kobe White in this lineup? Do I play OG Ananobi in this lineup? Right? Because I've already eaten so much of the chalk. Now I need to find a construction that works with playing five of these guys. Because I know what contest I'm in. And then if I'm in the fadeaway, and then now if you're, if you're going to do this and play all five of these guys, now you have to go, whoa, oh, maybe Michael Mulder gets a shot. You know, you have to go even further down. Or you decide to go, well, I'm going to play this guy, but not Gordon and not Wiseman. So I'll play young Brunson, Giannis, Harden, Oladipo or something. But instead of playing Gordon and Wiseman, I'm going to play DJ Augustine or something, something like that. So that's why the players don't matter as much. You have to determine what contest you're in, what type of lineup from a leverage perspective do you need to win this contest? Smaller field, you don't need that as much leverage. Large field, you need a ton of it. And then how do I select the players that fit that condition? 
And then using a tool like Lineup HQ, you could run through and see what the, the ownership and the, the median of those lineups are and compare them to one another. And if they're close enough median-wise, a couple of points, like, then play them. Go, do it. Play whoever you want. I mean, this I'm explaining play whoever you want. That This is what play whoever you want means. I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Drew DP asks uh, or says, I've been constructing right up until lock lately due to all the late news. And by the time I upload my CSV, the contest selection left is not great. Should I enter a shell lineup early? Yeah, that's what you should do. Dude, I, I build the lineup before even the, the, the previous slate is over. Like last night, I go in, you build a dummy lineup. You just look through, like for today, I just look, duh, 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 whatever. Then you start entering contests. Remember, it always starts, like I said before, it starts with contests. You can't build lineups until you know what contest you're playing. So you, you decide earlier in the day, you go, I'm going to take this one lineup and I'm going to enter it 10 times into this, 20 times into the 20 max. I'm going to enter it three times into the three max. I'm going to enter it one time into the single entry. And you have 20, 24 total line entries. It's the same lineup. And then you just download the CSV and you override it, right? When you, your 24 lineups from lineup HQ or wherever, and you cut and paste over and you upload it. So you're not building your lineups and then finding contests for it. You, you enter the contest first. Okay, looking through the chat, looking through the chat. Let's see. Uh, on a two-game slate, this is a, this is a good question. That has to do with today's slate. Rob W., on a two-game slate, do cash lineups end up similar to tournament lineups because in the end, you need raw points and leveraging too much brings your median too low? It depends on the contest. If you're going to play a large field contest today with this two-game slate, you have to go for outliers. You have to, you're going to have to give up a lot of median for a large field contest. You're going to have to give up a lot of median regardless because you're going to just have a cash lineups and like you're just not going to have enough leverage to win that type of field. So it may feel like you have a cash lineup as I, I can't scroll. This is kind of freezing. Uh, like you're going to have to find, I mean, we have ownership this early, by the way. Okay. So it looks like basically Roby and Jokic are, are the chalk. So this, this is a, let's, let's go through this experiment. I'm going to, I'm going to put it at 40 lineups just for, for ease. Do we have, okay. I got the, I got everything. So just 40, right? Maybe make it 50, make it a nice, even 50. Okay, so I'm going to build, let's make sure I get through there, build 50 just based on what we have here. Okay, just to see what the optimal, uh, based on our 10.23 a.m. projections. Okay, so we're getting 255.89 with an ownership sum of 367, right? Basically jamming in Hill, Roby, Jokic, Barton, something, something like that. So we got 255, 367, remember that. Okay, the 40th lineup would be 251.92, 347 down here. Okay, so basically, if we play Hill, Roby, Jokic, 259, 367. Okay, now let's let's X them out. Say so we're not going to play any of them. We build 50 lineups. Let's see what happens. I don't know. 245 is the best lineup you can make, but you get significant ownership discount, 279.80. So 
So you take a look at this first lineup, 367 to 279. So you're losing about 80% of ownership. And you're sacrificing 10, about 10 points in median. For a large field GPP, this would be doable on a two-game slate. You have to get to how else are you going to, you're just hoping that the three chalk pieces fail. The three chalk pieces fail. I know you still need raw points. They could win a large field GPP this way. But let's say instead of fading all three of them, right? Instead of fading all of them. So we look here. Maybe you don't fade. Like you're going to choose, you guys, okay, I don't mind George Hill, but I'm not going to play Isaiah Roby. Let's say we're going to put Isaiah Roby and Jokic back in. So you're not going to necessarily fade either of them, but you're going to make it so that they're never together in a lineup. Okay. So I put up the group zero one. Don't put them together. Okay. Now we're going back to lineups. Okay. Let's get rid of this build. Okay. This is the standard build. 255, 367. Now, this includes Roby and Jokic in the same lineup. So now I'm going to run 50. And based on the group, they're not going to be together. What's the best lineup? 253.81. Okay. You give up a little bit of ownership. 253, 252, 251. So here's a lineup with a ton. You're playing Roby and Mascala together, which... People would say he's negatively correlated, right? Because they, they come out for one another. But it also means that less people are going to do that. On a two-game slate, if this was an eight-game slate, I would not play Roby and Muscala together. There would be no need to. But in large field GPPs, if you want to play Roby and Muscala together, even though they take each other's minutes, less people are going to do it. So you get a, a, a uniqueness boost from doing it that way. But let's say you don't want to do that. Okay, let's say we're going to make it, we're going to go here. We're going to put in Roby and Mescala, make sure they're not together. Okay, let's run 50 lineups now. Okay, now we're down to 251.92. Okay, so you're giving up a little points here. You get 348 ownership, 347, about the same. But now you have Conley, Boyan, Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. Zion Williamson. Kind of have all those guys together. But if we look through, here's a Jokic lineup. So that's this is a Roby lineup, and this is a Jokic lineup. So look at the differences between these two. 251.92, 251.27. So not all that much different projection-wise. 347.62327. You get about 20 points off of ownership. This one has Roby. This one has Mascala. This one has Zion, Zion. Boyan, Boyan. So look at the Conley, Boyan, Conley, Boyan. But no, basically no Mitchell and Gobert because you need to fit in Jokic. So you have Jokic, Barton. You got Hill, Mascala, Baisley opposite them. And then you got Conley, Bodoganovich, Zion. So the differences between these two lineups Although they don't share, they it's a 3v3. Like, really, is there that big of a difference? Not really. Mathematically, not really. Probably this lineup is probably a little bit better because slightly less owned. 
compared to the how much you're gaining on median projection. When they, then we go down here, 333. It says Shy, Gobert, Green. This says Roby, but no Jokic. But what, what, what's really the difference between these lineups? Mathematically, not much. Similar median, similar ownership. This is this is lineups, not players. This, I mean, I, I I go over this so many times of like, I'm not thinking of like, do I play SGA today? Do I play Bojan today? It's like, what lineups do I play today? This is my research. This is what I do every day. This is what I'm doing at 5.30, 6 o'clock to research for the lineups that I want to play. I go, how much do I have to give up in order to do this? How much do I have to give up in order to do that? Which is Which is more worth it? So I'm going through and like, okay, let's say, for instance, we're going to get rid of this uh, Jokic Roby. So let's say, get rid of these groups. Let's say I want to build, but let's do the opposite way. I want to see if I can build lineups that play Roby and Jokic together. Like they're the highest, two highest on guys, but I need to get at least under... Let's say 320. Can I do it? So I'll go using a blunt tool and go, can I get anything with both of them? Let's say under 330. What's that? What do those lineups look like? So I lock them both in and set a max total ownership. I'm not going to be using these lineups. I'm just researching. Okay, so I can get a 326 with both of these guys, but I need to use Monty Morris. And Steven Adams, like the two lower on guys in here, in order to get under 330, 252. So it's like it's even better. Like the Roby, here's one Roby without Jokic is actually lower 347, 251. So actually, this lineup actually is projects better. So yeah, I can make lineups that still have Roby and Jokic that are equal to those other lineups but I have to obviously have to get different in a lot of other places with Monty Morris, with Gary Harris, with Hamadou Diallo, PJ Dozier. I have to find ways to, to where do I find the leverage? If I'm going to play the two chalkiest guys together. And this is what I do to weigh. Should I play lineups that have both of them? Should I play lineups that don't have either of them? Should I have lineups that have one or the other? Or if I'm building 50 lineups, maybe I have 10 of each. I have 10 lineups with neither of them. 10 lineups with Jokic. 10 lineups with Roby. 10 lineups with Roby and Jokic. You could do that. You don't have to do one or the other. Each lineup is independent of one another. I'm just using this as research. So lineup HQ doesn't necessarily, even if you're hand building, single entry, three max. This is the research that you can be doing. And when the projections change, uh, this guy's out and this guy's in. And well, we, now we get a guard that we get, that's 3,600 and everyone wants to play now. Like all this changes. But like early in the day, you could look and go, okay, if nothing changes, I see the directions that I could go. Okay. And then a couple of hours later, you come back and you go, any news, anything, anything big? Is Lon Maybe Lonzo ends up today you know, he says he's probable to play, but maybe he's not. Then you take Lonzo Ball out of the projections and then things change. And you go, okay, let me redo this little bit of research. 
see the directions I could go and then make a choice. So lineup HQ is not just for building line. Oh, I've got the mob building 50 lineups. Why do I need a lineup builder? Like it's a calculator. This is, I mean, you could do this in Excel also. Why not use the tool? And you could use the tool by signing up the premium. Roto Grinders Premium, yet we have single sport just for NBA or a combo for all the sports other than NASCAR. So click on the link in the description below. $10 off your first month. Any more questions before we get out of here? Let's go through the YouTube chat. As always, hit the thumbs up button. Keep the apple juice cold. Still doing pretty well. Uh, let's see, going through, Raul says, uh, when you run a test build, no settings changes, 300 lineups. What does the projection difference between the top lineups and bottom lineups tell you? Like the difference between one to 300 is 10 points. Well, you know that if the difference between one to 300 is 10 points, that if you have a lineup that you're in, that looks leveraged for the contest that you're in, that sacrifices five. It has to be within the one to 300, right? The one that if, if you're put no settings on and you go one to 300, it's going to give you the 300 best lineups based on projection. So now once you put in all your groups and go, I don't want to play this guy. I want to play a little bit of that guy. I want to play a little bit of that guy. You know where the range is. Like if you build a lineup that is 12 points off, you know that that in the grand scheme of things is not, is like maybe the 400th best line which is still worthy of play, right? You could give up 12. If the if your top 300 lineups difference is that wide, 10 points, that means the 301st best lineup is going to be like 11 points, 10.1. So now you have something to judge it by. This is why when people ask me, how much, what's the number? How much meeting should I sacrifice for the amount of leverage? It's like, there's no specific number. It depends on the slate. If you run 300 lineups and see that the difference, like let's take a look at today's slate, for instance. Let's just do it as an example. Why not? Do I have everything off? Let's see. This off, throw it up to 300. Who cares about max salary, right? It's not going to matter. Uh, I got my groups. Let's delete them anyway. And I'm just going to run it. So we're looking, the difference in projection between one and 300. You could do it from one to 100 if you want. I mean, it doesn't have to be 300. Just 300 is the max build size for lineup HQ. So you could determine what is the range of the, the best projected 300 lineups. So you have something to compare once you start looking at lineups that you are going to build. Is it within this? Like what, what what's the relation to it? Sometimes the difference between first and 300 is only going to be three points. Sometimes it's going to be 10 points. Sometimes it's going to be 18 points. Depends on the slate. So that's why you have to, that's why you have to run this in order to know. You could eyeball it. You could tell. If you're experienced, you could look and you go, yeah, yeah. Any, any lineup that's like uh, 16 points off is too much, right? Or you could look at some and go, anything that's like five points off is too much. Just by the ownership and the projections of some of the players. But you could run, you could run this to get more of a sense. So we're almost there. 300. Let's go. Let's do it. Come on. Okay. There we go. Okay. So top one as before 255.89. Now we got to scroll. 
Scrolly, scrolly, scrolly. We're going too fast. We're going to crash. We're going to crash right into the legend. Then we're going to crash into the legend. Uh, yeah, we crashed. Okay. The bottom one is 243. Okay. So 255 to 243. So the difference between the top 300 lineups is 12 points. Okay. So if you're building lineups that are like within 12 points, you're within the top 300 lineups that you could possibly make, which for a large field contest is fine. If you could only build, if there's, if the top 300 lineups, like you'd want to play all top, all, all 300 if you could, right? In a contest with 35,000 entries or something. So anything below 243 is going to be outside of the top 300. Doesn't mean you can't play them. I'm just saying that now you have now you have a sense of if you see a lineup that is 15 points out, then you'd be like, oh my God, that's how could you possibly play that? It's like that that isn't that far different from the 300th lineup. Right? So that that's what you're looking for. So like, here you go. 255 is the top, 243 is the 300th lineup. So in these lineups that we're looking at over here, these are within, right? This build here, we built 40 lineups with a certain condition. It's within 243. So it's within that set. These lineups are within that set of 300 somewhere. These lineups are within, let's see, anything below 243. Nope, 248. So that's within that set of 300. In this build that we did with, uh, what, no Jokic or that's what, okay, or a split. 253 at the top, 248. So that's within the 300. So you can take a look at all these conditions and say, well, let's say I want to build lineups because all these, the ownership of a lot of these lineups are very high. So let's say, let's say, let's put it in, just let's do 20. I want to set the total ownership to 300. What do these lineups look like that I could get under 300 on a two game slate? 248. So we're still within the top 300. 248, 247, 246. Let's say we want to get even lower. Can I make lineups with 250? even lower amount of ownership, 242. So this is this would be outside of the top 300. 242, but you're getting ownership, 242, right? These would be large field lineups. So you'd look at this and you go, I mean, some of these are kind of, like, I don't even know if you could do this. Six nuggets and two jazz. I mean, some of these look wild because that's the only way that you could get leverage. But still, you're even playing Jokic in these lineups. Right, you're gonna play. Here's one without Jokic or Roby. So this is this would be large field lineups, 241. So if we added the top 300, this would probably end up being like 450, which is still fine on the, the context of this slate playing a large field contest with no duplication, probably no Jokic, no Roby. So these would be like large field stuff. You probably wouldn't be playing these in single entry three max contests. There's no need. To, there's no need to play the 550th best lineup in a in a 400 person con in a in a small field contest. Based on your projections, obviously this is based on Rotogrinders projections. Everyone has different projections, right? Do you make your own or something? This has Theo Maladon and Monty Morris in it. I mean, look at this lineup and 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 
Pakazetsky. But it could get there, right? It's a Denver blowout or something. Murray and Jokic have a ton of points, and then Morris comes in, and Maladon and Poku can play the... It could happen. But you play this in large field. You don't play this in small field. That's why you look at the projection and the ownership, and you go... Like, why am I playing a lineup this this poorly projected in a small field contest? No, you play in a large field. Lineups, not players. I didn't choose to play Poku or Maladon. Just like, okay, this is what these types of lineups look like. You could end up replacing some of these guys, right? Well, so I'll play playing Poku. I'll play, well, you can't play Muscala because your center spot's taken up. You could switch stuff around a little. Just to get a sense. Doesn't mean you have to play this exact line. So this, this is how you could use lineup HQ to research the slate. Okay. Can you, uh, Jacob Callaway asked, can, can we get the ability to sort lineups by product or smash percentage in lineup HQ? I do it in Excel, but it would be easier if it was in the optimizer. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's in the, in the pipeline. Different, different sorting like up here, different sorting up over here. So I also want like low to high. Or at least the scroll bar, so I don't have to scroll like that. But yeah, I don't think it's a priority on the dev team, but I, those types of suggestions are in there. Let's see. We we only got a couple of minutes left. I'm scrolling back. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get to everyone. As always, I'm here every day. I'm here in the morning. If I don't answer your question, it doesn't mean I hate you. Just means I'm trying. I'm trying to be as as detailed oriented as possible let's go jacob calloway still more how do you determine what is likely the chalky builds of the slate is it mostly crunching the full player pool no constraints and seeing what the opto is building yeah yeah why not let's see chris is investing says i've been playing yahoo using your gpp tips and strategies on small quarter tournaments and doing very well practice makes perfect well there you go way to go let's see oh boy let's go through let's go through just i know i'm going through like 20 minutes previously because i like explaining stuff i'm sorry Ty Roach says, should I be worried about salary on this two-game slate in the large field? I'm getting lineups with like 1K off salary, but decent projections. No, do it. Because less people will play lineups like that. In large field, on these two-game slates, you have to play them like, like they're showdowns. YOLO, leave money on the table, weird combinations. You know, it, it's not like it's not like normal classic slates. If you're playing large field, if you're playing 200-man contests, you could play a little bit more sensibly, a little bit more what you would consider to be sensible. Like, oh, this lineup makes sense. It projects well. It's okay, let me play it. You're playing 30,000 entries? 30,000 entries. I mean, it, it, it would be reasonable if you close your eyes and bang your heads against the keyboard and whatever eight people come out, that would probably still... I'm leaving $3,800 on the table and playing three of the backups. I mean, in order to win $100,000 first place, you're going to have to try to get unique. Uh, Greg R. Very similar concept. Do you focus less on building a lot of groups on a two-game main slate like this with the idea being that you could allow some negative correlations if it allows for a higher median or lower ownership? Yes. 
Like I said before, a lot of people may not play Roby and Muscala together on this slate because they come out for one another. They're, they're, I don't think they're ever on the court together. People are going to play Roby or they're going to say, I'm going to fade Chalk Roby and play Muscala. But less people are going to play them both together. Less people are going to play Murray and Morris, like Monty Morris and Jamal Murray together. So you have to consider doing it. Doesn't mean you do, and it doesn't mean you don't. But normally on a large slate, you don't have the, the, those types of things that are negatively correlated. Where Jamal Murray gets into foul trouble, Monty Morris comes in, and Monty Morris has the ceiling game. And if Jamal Murray is you know, doing well, Monty Morris only plays 14 minutes. Like, that's what negative correlation is to minutes. They come out for one another. But on a large slate, you have tons of other options, right? You can get unique in, in a multitude of different ways. On a two-game slate, you can't. So not having as much strict groupings in NBA may be, may be more beneficial. Well, you look at the lineup and go, that doesn't make sense. It's one of those things, just like in showdown. I always say in NFL showdown, if you look at your lineup and you hate it, then it's probably a good lineup for these large field contests. And you go, this this doesn't make me feel good. Like those are the good lineups. If you look at your showdown lineup and you zeroed out your salary and everything makes sense and it's like, I'm that this looks good. If it wins, it's going to win with a 1,400-way tie. So like, don't even bother. You have to look at it and go, well, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of screwed up mind would come up with this lineup. If this lineup won, people would make fun of me. They'd go, oh my God, is this guy stupid? Those are the good lineups. Those are the good lineups. So you have to think more in that direction than uh, in the, the more sensible on these shorter two-game slates. David Oak says, when is the flash sale for my Theory of DFS audio? There's the, I rarely put it on sale. But you can go get it, theoryofdfs.com. Go pick up uh, the Theory of DFS. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, all these concepts are in there, right? It's 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 game theory of any sport. It's not just NBA, NFL, MLB, anything. It goes it goes together. All these concepts are in there. You can have me in your pocket. It's evergreen. It's not about just this year or anything. It's the overall game theory of daily fantasy sports. That's where all these concepts come from. So pretty much, uh, yes, showing up every day and asking your questions, you'll get you get plenty of this. But if you want me in your pocket. 15 hours of audio that you, people, people listen to it multiple times, come back to it and build better lineups, build plus EV lineups for the contest that you're in. Go pick it up. Theory of DFS.com. So, so that's it for me today. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about what, what stupid lineup won the two game slate, the large field in the two game slate, either what stupid lineup won first by itself, or what sensible lineup split it 7,000 ways? It's going to be one of the two, right? Most probably. So uh, so hit that like button. Hit the like. Give me the thummy thumbs on the way out. Uh, subscribe. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We'll be live uh, on this channel later, later today for Grinders Live at some point. Oh, oh, it's free crunch. Uh, Devin says it's free crunch time. Even better. You get meansy. You get Roth. It's free crunch time. So that's at, it's 8.30 Eastern. So no grinders live, right? Because it's a two games late and they're both games are at nine o'clock. Who makes the schedule? Why? If you can only have two games, why play them? Why have them at the same time? I don't get it, whatever. But, uh, but that's what's happening tonight. Free crunch time, 8.30. 
uh, here on YouTube. So hit that notification bell to know when it goes live. But I'll be back tomorrow as, as I am every weekday at 11 a.m. here on YouTube for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.